because we only sing your name and we only worship you. Father, we lift our voices and our hands in awe of who you are and how great you are. God, we thank you for the lives that we've seen here publicly in front of everybody declaring that their hearts will sing no other name but the name of Jesus from now on. We thank you for that gift to be able to celebrate with them, to celebrate this new life. Father, as we open your word now, may we also commit today to new life. Commit to living and serving you and only you. Good morning. Are you excited to be here this morning? Yes, awesome. How many of you, as uh, Ben mentioned, uh, thank you, Ben. How many of you have mentioned uh, are still in your 21-day fast? Who's still in your 21-day fast? All right. How many of you are uh, struggling through your 21-day fast? All right. How many of you are victorious in your 21-day fast? All right. I should say 14 days right at this point, but. Uh, um, I, I have a question for you as we think about this this morning. Um, I'm not sure. Every, you guys ever want to know like exactly if you're cheating on a fast or not? So we, I'm not going to point anybody out this morning, uh, but in our staff we have several, and I've heard of several that have decided they were going to fast uh, from TV, but um, from the hours of such and such to such and such, right? Or I'm going to fast from uh, coffee um, after I have my first cup of coffee or whatever. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not legalistic, so that's up to them and God. Uh, so I have a question that um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you guys would give me freedom today. Are you, guys, are you guys okay with some grace this morning? Okay. I, I, want, I want an honest opinion, okay? So Wednesday night... When I got here, one of the wonderful ladies, um, Elaine, I, I shouldn't have said her name, Elaine, uh, she always, uh, I think it's her way of making sure I come shake her hand. She always, it's like I'm 10 again, and she gives me candy. And I go away happy. I'm like a dog trained. Hello, Elaine, I got my candy. And uh, so just in our normal routine Wednesday, actually I didn't get to see her before, but I think it was after, she handed me um, two pieces of candy that are Werther's original coffee flavored. And she said, this will help you with giving up coffee. And I didn't pray, I didn't think, I stuck them in my mouth. But now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your honest opinion this morning. Am I cheating if I, uh, a, a sweet gift from a sweet lady... Okay, we're going we're gonna to have to vote. Who says I'm cheating? Legalist? All right. Who, <laughs> who gives me grace and freedom today in Christ? Ethan. All right, hold on. Nah. I'll be honest, I, I'm really tempted to eat it right now, but uh, I think I would annoy myself hearing myself eat that. But anyways, uh, real quickly before we get into our message, I, I'm encouraged to get your bulletin out, but you probably were handed one of these uh, this morning, hopefully when you came in. If not, you can grab one on your way out. Uh, we get the opportunity, as we did about five or six years ago, to host the National Fellowship Meeting uh, for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. It'll be February 19th 
uh, through the 21st. You can go on our website and get all the schedule and information about that. I'm going to encourage you, uh, if you can, to be a part of that. Come in. We'll have some great preaching and uh, some great music, great time of worship. So uh, anyways, go on the, on the website. You can find out all the information. But what I want to give you information today is... On your way out, so there is, uh, right, on the, right as you go out these doors, there's a table there that has a basket with some cards. Um, they are cards that, there goes my bulletin, look just like this. So I want to encourage you to grab a couple of these cards, grab the envelopes that are also in that basket, and I want you to write a nice note. So who's going to be attending this meeting is a lot of pastors and staff and missionaries and we want this week when they come we want to encourage them okay do we want to encourage them say yes yes all right we want to encourage them so one way we want to do that is for you to write a hand note you don't know you're writing it to it just write a note of encouragement that you're praying for them and their ministry and maybe write a, a scripture verse maybe that's favorite to your heart or maybe speak some encouragement into them uh, so grab a couple of those on your way out and then you can bring them back and you can drop them in the uh, offering bag as they pass every Sunday. You can hand it to me or you can put it in the connection or offering boxes back on the wall. Bring it with you Wednesday night as we instructed the Wednesday night uh, group last Wednesday. And so I'll pause for a minute and say you need to be here on Wednesday nights at 630. We have an awesome time of worship. Uh, Dave is preaching through the book of Colossians. And so we have a, a great time of worship and the word. So I encourage you if you can be here. Kids have great a time of learning the Bible, Bible memorization, and the youth, of course, out in the youth building. Um, so how many of you will make a point to grab a couple of these on your way out this morning? Would you raise your hand? I, raise your hand. I want to encourage a pastor, missionary, staff person. All right, so you've already committed to do this. Now I want to give you the rest of the information. As you fill this out, nice, great words of encouragement, then I also want you to put a $20 bill in there. And it's not a joke. Okay, I want you to put a $20 bill in there, and we're going to give this to them on Tuesday afternoon as they go out for lunch, and we as a church want to buy their lunch, okay? So words are great. Money is greater sometimes, right? So if you can do that, I already we have cameras on you that have raised your hand and committed, and uh, so we'll be calling you. No, but uh, again, bring that, uh, put it in the offering, uh, because we don't want to just have a place for you to put them because there's money in it, right? And uh, so bring that back, hand it to one of the staff in the connection boxes or in your bag or bring it Wednesday night with you because I know some of you are going to start coming to Wednesday night church now. All right, grab your bulletin as I throw everything on the floor and we're going to get started this morning. We've got um, our second week in our series. This, I guess, would be kind of a mini-series called I'm a Church Member. And as I told you last week, we're walking through uh, the, uh, the book, I'm a Church Member. How many of you have read the book, I'm a Church Member? Uh, I know the church uh, made that available several years ago, and uh, so we're going to kind of walk through that. And we have a little bit of review this morning for those of you that maybe weren't here uh, last Sunday. And so, uh, just a quick quote. This, on your, this one is on your bulletin as well. This is by James McDonald. It says, The glory of Jesus Christ revealed is what should fuel the fire of a church. So again, the, the, the main purpose of us as believers and us as a church, and us as the church universal is to bring glory to God, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And that's why we've made our mission statement, purpose statement, to say that Hallmark Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. But the priority is the glory of God. My life, your life as a believer, your priority is to bring glory to God. 
Can you say amen to that? One of the greatest ways you can bring glory to God is by making disciples who make disciples, all right? Um, and so another quote that uh, was also on your bulletin last week by Francis Chan, and we're going to maybe talk about this at the close of the sermon, but it says this, We can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect the church he died for, the church he entrusted his mission to. Um, in other words, I said this last week, I'm, I'm praying, there's a lot of things I'm praying for our church, but one of the things I'm praying for in 2018 is that we as individuals of this church would be more committed to his church. Unfortunately, in our culture, we have become less and less committed to the church house. Can you agree with that? And so I would encourage you in your personal schedule and how you live your life, pray about is, is God's church need to be a bigger priority in my life and in my family's calendar life. In fact, uh, I was going to say this last week and I just forgot, but I think it was a week or two ago, someone had told me just in, in conversation um, that they had decided in 2016, they made a decision that in 2016, uh, that moving forward in 2017, they were not going to miss a Sunday morning service because they were hunting. Ooh, that hurt. I, I didn't say that, and I didn't ask them to say that. They said it. And they went through the entire year, 2017, did not miss a Sunday service because of hunting. Okay? Can we say amen to that person, right? And so, I, you know, we could talk about a hundred different hobbies we might have, but that's just the one that he said. I thought, man, that is an encouragement to me to hear someone putting a priority on church. And so Francis Chan says, can we really say we love Jesus if the church that he died for, we're not so much committed to? If the mission of making disciples was given to the church, and yet it's not a priority for us, then, then we really need to wrestle with how much do I really love Jesus? Am I really, as they said in these videos, have I really decided to follow Jesus? Is he first place in my life, all right? Now, let's, uh, one more statistic I, that, that I just, um, honestly, frustrates me, angers me, keeps me up sometimes at night, is the one we gave last week, that two-thirds, 66% or so there, of the builder generation claim to be Christian, but 15% of millennials claim to be Christian. Is that alarming to you? Is that alarming to you? And, and I think that maybe it's because we, the church, have failed them, not the church. You see, if we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples, then that has to be the focus. And, and I'll be completely honest with you this morning, many times in my life, that's not the focus. And so as individuals and for us collectively as a church, and that statistic should scare us. I remember um, it's been almost, I guess it's been 20, 20 years ago now, an evangelist came, we were living in Austin at the time, and and this quote has just stuck with me. He said, a generation without regeneration is degeneration. And here we are, tw about 21 years ago for me hearing that. 
And it's true. A generation without regeneration is degeneration. And, and who do we have to blame? I, the only person I can blame is who? Me. I mean, I'd like to blame you, just to be honest with you. I'd like to blame you. And you'd like to blame me too, right? What is, what is hindering me? Let's, let's not think collectively as a church. What is hindering us? What is hindering me? What is hindering you from glorifying God by making disciples who make disciples? And, and probably it's maybe something different for you than it is for me. But don't you want to see that percentage changed? Don't you want to see that percentage changed? Number one, and again, this is review. We'll go through these quickly. Uh, and again, these were six statements in this book. It's not like the, ex- the only list or the exhaustive list. These are just six things in this book that talk about uh, being a healthy church member. Uh, number one, I will be a functioning church member. Again, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the reference there is that the church is a body, and that if, if the church or the body is going to function properly, then all members need to be actively serving the body and playing their role, and that there's no insignificant role in the body, that we all must be a part of what God is doing in this local body of Christ. And I think uh, Dave had written in the Sunday school uh, lesson this morning, if you were in Sunday school, uh, that said, it may, maybe there's, an, there's your gifting and there's a need of service and there's just not that available here at church. Like, I don't have a ministry. I don't, there's, this is what I like to do. This is what God's given me a passion to do. This is the, the, the uh, spiritual gifts God's given me. And I just don't see where that plugs in. And, and uh, he said, well, then maybe God's calling you to start a ministry at Hallmark. And I think that we have done a bad job of... Scripture talks about us as staff, us as the leaders, us as pastors, to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. And so too much in church has become that, well, when the staff starts something or if they have something, then I'll be a part of it. And, and that's not really what it was supposed to be, right? You, you guys, this is going to blow your mind. You guys have just as much of the Holy Spirit as I do. Maybe more. Right? I was waiting for someone to say amen on that. I, I dodged that one. That was good. So I'll be a functioning church member. Now, I've got to say this definition because we said it last week and some of you weren't here. This is his definition uh, in the book, I'm a church member, of what a functioning church member is. Uh, two things. They will give abundantly and they will serve without hesitation. They will give abundantly and they will serve without hesitation. And, and in his book, what he would say uh, that the statistics say that only one-third of church members in the average church would be qualified to be what his definition of a functioning church member is. That only one-third of the church members uh, give generously and serve without hesitation. And if that's true, which uh, based on his statistics that is true, then do we have to think about Maybe, just maybe, that's why only 15% of the next generation is a follower of Jesus Christ. Because not, not enough of us are involved in the process. Not enough of us are functioning. What, so let's just pretend for a moment, for argument's sake, that Hallmark Baptist Church would play out in statistics. 
that one-third of the people in the auditorium here this morning, one-third of us would fall under his definition of a biblical functioning church member, that they give abundantly or generously, and they serve without hesitation. So let's just say we fall into the category of one, only one-third of us in here. Let's, let's stop for a moment to think, what would, what would or what could this church be if even just two-thirds of his body was a functioning church member? What would the potential be here? Above, I would say infinitely more than we could ask or think. Infinitely more than we could imagine. Look around the room. We have a lot of, we have space for visitors, don't we? We have space for guests. And what if more of us were involved? What, what if more of us were functioning church members? We gave abundantly. We served without hesitation. Number two. I think we have a dead battery in the fire alarm, so you'll be all right, okay? Number two. How many of you heard that? You guys hearing that? Right, okay. It's just right back here. Uh, if somebody smells smoke, we'll run, right? Number two, I will be a unifying church member. We're going we're gonna to scare the hell out of you today, one way or the other, all right? The fire alarm is going off. I'll be a unifying church member. Again, this was last week we were talking about this, all right? And so in 1 Corinthians 12, we're a part of the body, and the church needs to function as a body and all members. And then 1 Corinthians 13 goes right into lo- the love chapter, right? Got your attention now, the love chapter. And we use that at marriages all the time, but really the context is in church. That if we are functioning church members, then we also need to be unifying church members. And how is that going to happen is that we're going to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And we are going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Now, the person on the other side is left out, so turn to them and say, I love you. All right? It's, it's funny because everybody turns and you just talk to the back of someone's head, right? So you love the back of their head, all right? Hey, hey, is it, is it possible that there may be in the room this morning some people that are hard to love? Can I get an Amen. Man, I just, we're going to have marriage counseling after church today. All the fights we just started. All right, so I want to love. Number, th- number three, I got to hurry. I will not let my church be about my preferences and my desires. I will not let church be about my preference and desires. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And Christ humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. We asked the question last week, why did Jesus humble himself and die on the cross? It was so that I could have salvation. Why should I as a church member humble myself? Why should I as a follower of Jesus humble myself so that others can have salvation? So that God can be glorified. I want to be, I, I like, uh, in the book, again, he, he uses that. I will not let church be about my preferences, but I would like to say I, I will be a selfless church member. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, that's tough for everybody in the room. Because by nature, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, and you guys are all implied, that I am a very selfish person. I want it the way I want it. How many of you, how many of you in your home uh, have the thermostat wars? Anybody have thermostat wars, right? Uh, I've won the battle now. Don't touch the thermostat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somewhat, I'm kidding. We like it like we like it, right? 
Number four, let's, let's get through the outline for this morning. Number four, and, and I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you this morning, this one's a tough one for me to preach on. Uh, because, again, I would say most of us are, are prideful people. Most of us think we can handle it. And the truth is, most of us can't handle it, right? Number four, I will pray for my church leaders. I will pray for my church leaders. I'm going to read you a few statistics, and then we're going to turn to 1 Timothy. If you want to begin turning to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, again, these are statistics found in, in his book, I'm a Church Member. It says, 40% of pastors consider leaving the pastors in the last three months. 40% of pastors have considered getting out of the ministry in the last three months. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry each month. Do you hear that? 1,500 pastors leave the ministry each month due to moral failure, spiritual burnout, contentions in their churches. 80% of pastors uh, feel unqualified and discouraged. 80%. And the worst part of that, the 80, so 80% of pastors, 84% of their wives feel that way. 70% constantly fight depression. They say that the, the toughest job in America is to be, guess what? It's First Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse number 1. This is the faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a, a bishop or a pastor, an elder, he desires a good work. So these verses are going to give us the requirements, biblical requirements of a pastor. Number two, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, desperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Number three, verse three, not to give to wine, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Uh, six, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. We all struggle with pride, but uh, especially when you have a semblance of authority. Thinking about these statistics of the numbers of pastors that get out of ministry, discouraged, depressed, upset, frustrated, Moral failure. Look at verse number 7. And I think we can understand why. Verse number 7, 1 Timothy 3. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And I want you to circle or underline that, that word snare. And some translations would translate that word a trap. Or the wiles or the schemes, the snare of the devil. And I want you to think about that word, snare or trap. And there's some, there's some implications with that word. I think sometimes we just quickly gloss over. Again, this is in, in the context of talking about pastors. So all our staff here at church, the qualifications here listed. And then it says here that... Be careful lest they fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. 
What's, what's the implications of that word, snare or trap? It means that there's some intentionality. It means that there's some strategy. And so 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That applies to all of us as believers. But in the context here in 1 Timothy, he's talking about the role of a pastor or the requirements of a pastor. And it says here, and this is my implication, what I think this word snare implies is that Satan is very strategic and intentional in attacking who? The staff, the pastors, those who are leading you spiritually. And just like logically and strategically, it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, we watched the movie uh, 12 Strong the other day, and uh, they got in country in Afghanistan, and one of the guys saluted his captain, and the captain slapped him across the back of the head and said, never salute me in country. W- why is that? He's a target. Your leaders, your spiritual leaders, have what on their chest? A target. And Satan is strategic and intentional in attacking them. And so, again, back to the, the statement, number four, I will, I will pray for my leaders. And, and I can't say enough how much that prayer, how important prayer is. And they kind of list there, pray for their family, their family, pray for protection, pray for the mental and physical health, and, and, and just the, all the things that they endure and go through. Your staff needs your prayers. How many of you would commit to, to pray for your staff? And I want to, at the close of the service, I'm going to give you time. I would encourage you to come forward as a commitment to pray for your staff. We're going to have a time at the end of the service for you to pray. Number five is we'll quickly go through. And, and, and uh, let me mention real quick before we move on. It says there, pray for their families. Uh, you know, it's interesting that that passage there, verse, I think it's verse 4 and 5, talk about um, the pastor or the elders that must be able to rule their own home. If they can't rule their own home, how can they rule the church? And uh, those two verses have put a tremendous amount of pressure on leaders, staff leaders, but who else has the pressure? The family. Now, growing up as a preacher's kid, I know what it's like to be a preacher's kid. So there's two things that most church people expect of a preacher's kids or staff kids. They expect them to be better than everyone else, and they expect them to be worse than anyone else. So you're, you're just doomed one way or the other, right? As a kid, I chose number two. If that's what you expect of me, I'm going to live up to your expectations, right? Sorry, Dad, Mom, forgive me. Um, you heard like the living in a glass house. That's what it's like to be a staff kid. So I would encourage you to pray for your staff kids. And we'll move on. Number five, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. All right, we won't spend a lot, spend a lot of time here, but I will lead my family to be, uh, and I say this, men... This is on you. Lead your home. 
It's not in your notes, but Deuteronomy chapter 6 was known as the Shema. Men, it's your responsibility to teach your kids to love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love the neighbor as yourself. And it's the responsibility of the parents to disciple their children. It's the responsibility of the church to help equip the parents to disciple their children and to come alongside and teach. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens in the, with saints and members, I love the last part of this, it's underlined here on the screen, members of the household of God. When, when you gave your life to Christ, you became a part of God's family. Does that just blow your mind? That Jesus is your brother, joint heirs with Christ? And when you walk into a church and, and unite with a church, you are not only a part of the body of Christ, the church, but the church should, not all, should also be a family. And the truth is, my guess is there's people in your family you don't get along with. Can I get an amen? That was weak. Every time uh, when someone comes to join and unite with our church, my prayer almost always is that as they unite with our church family, that we would minister to them. And then the follow-up that, as I pray, is also, now, Lord, as they are a member of this family, help them to minister to us. And it's the responsibility of all of us as family, the family of God, to minister to one another, to encourage one another. The next one is kind of a sub-point under this. Fall in love with the bride of Christ. Fall in love with the bride of Christ. And if you were here Wednesday, Dave talked a little bit about this, and I loved what he said. He said, how can, and it kind of going back to what Francis Chan had said about how, how can we claim to love the church and, and not love, or how can we claim to love Jesus and not love the church? Or how can we claim to love Jesus and not love the bride? You realize the church, the church believers are the bride of who? Christ. And it amazes me how we can say we love Jesus and not be faithful to his bride. It amazes me how we can be, say we love Jesus and not be committed to his bride. It's amazing to me how we can say we love Jesus, but we don't support his bride. And Dave said this Wednesday, he said, if, if you tell me you love me and you tell me that you hate my wife, we got problems. You're no friend of mine. Can you, can you at least nod your head in agreement with that? You tell me, oh, I think you're great, but your wife, not so much. We're not friends. And you may walk away hurt. Can I get an amen? But why is it so much different with Jesus? When we put it in that context, it's like it blew my mind several years ago when I was watching a marriage a conference or something on uh, TV and, or online, and it said, um, 
and again, in the context of marriage, talking about that, that lady you married, she has two father-in-laws if she's a believer. Or, or I have two father-in-laws. For me, it's, it's Robert or Bob, Daniel, whatever you want to call him, and God. My wife is a child of God. It should change how you treat your wife. The same goes in, 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 so let's shift over here to the church context. The church is the bride of Christ. And, and he, how much did, how much did Jesus love the bride? Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love for us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, the church. Why should I be committed to the church? Why should I support the church? Why should I be faithful to the church, the bride of Christ? Because Jesus was. You know, the, the verse in Ephesians, right? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Again, when we think about the church being the bride of Christ, and here it says, men, husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5.25, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he, listen, that he may present himself a glorious church or a glorious bride, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he, that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus wants to present to the Lord... God, the Father, a glorious, spotless, without blemish, bride, church. And he wants us to be involved in the process. He loves his bride so much that he hung on the cross so that he could, the bride and him could be reunited. And, and let's, let's be honest with ourselves this morning. We treat the church not as good as Jesus. We'll put it that. Number six. I will treasure church membership as a gift. I, I think we lose sight of that the longer we're at a place. We, we, we lose sight that that Ephesians says, for by grace you are saved, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, it's a what? Gift of God. And, and you understand, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, it's a gift of God, that that gift is salvation, but with that gift becomes also that you are part of the family of God and you are part of the body of Christ. And I think that we forget how, how blessed we are that being a member of the church, the body of Christ, believers, we're, it's a gift. But I would also say, and all throughout the New Testament, it's not talking about necessarily the universal church. All these letters and epistles are to, to what? Local churches. And, and I think sometimes we forget that being a part of a local church is also a huge gift of God. And we don't look at it as a gift anymore. We look at it as uh, something that we are entitled to, me included. 
And, and I hope that everyone in this room, especially if you've been around this place very long, it, it understands how blessed we are to be a part of Hallmark Baptist Church. Uh, earlier, I think it was last Wednesday, we sat down and, and uh, me and, and Chad and Bruce and Andrew, and we were talking, planning for this next Sunday. Be here next Sunday. We have our Mana Sunday, and it's going to be encouragement and challenging. And we're just sitting talking around the room. We're really focused on planning. How are we going to do this? And how is this going to happen? And all of a sudden, Bruce or, or one of them said, I think it was Bruce, he just sat there and said, I forget how far-reaching Hallmark Baptist Church is all over the world. This church has had impact that there is no way to measure over the last 70 years. Are you thankful for that? And if, if we aren't willing to be selfless, functioning, unifying church members, will they say the same thing about Hallmark in 70 years? In 50 years. I, I hope so. I, I want uh, my grandson to stand up here and say, wow, what has God done in this place? And, and we can't rest on what those who went before us did. We personally, me personally, you personally, you have to make a decision. We started last week two types of, of church members. Consumer, we're committed. I'll, I'll add a word to committed just because Dave gave me this idea. It was really good. A contributing, committed church member. And, and I'm going to be completely honest. We're all going to struggle at times with being consumer church members, right? That's just the way it is. That's just who we are. We are sinners, okay? We're going to struggle with it, me included. But can we, can we, can we uh, be aware of that? And when we are acknowledging it, let's shift back. I want to be a committed contributor to what God is doing in this place. That means I'm going to have to be functioning. And I'm going to keep saying it because it seems easy because it's his definition. What is a functioning church member? One who gives generously. One who serves without hesitation. I, I want to be that guy. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to love the bride of Christ like Jesus did. Do you? What? Let me read it. Let's just refocus for a moment. We'll close with this. Matthew chapter 20. Very familiar. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. Let's just look at verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve... And to give him his life a ransom for many. The question we asked last week, why did Jesus humble himself 
so that we could have salvation. Why should we humble ourselves? Turn a few pages over, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Why should I humble myself? Why should I be a functioning, unifying, selfless church member who falls in love with the bride of Christ? Because we've been given a mission. Glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. This morning, in a moment, we're going to stand and have a time of worship. But really, it's not, probably you don't know this song, and that's intentional. But what I want you to do this morning in a moment when we stand, many of you raised your hand and you said, I'm going to commit to pray for our staff. And I would encourage you in a moment when we stand that you come forward and do that. That you make a commitment to God here at the altar this morning that I'm going to pray for our church staff. Satan wants to attack them. Satan wants to destroy them. He wants to attack their families. He wants to destroy their families. Would you stand with me this morning? And as we stand in the spirit of prayer this morning, I just want to ask real quickly this morning. We talked about the fact that if, why did, why did God die? Why did he send his son Jesus to die? He said God committed it, uh, demonstrated his love toward us, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I want everyone in the room to know, maybe this is your first time here this morning. Maybe you've been here for 30 years. But if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that today. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. The reason that we have the church is so that everyone would know that Jesus loves them and that everyone would know that there is forgiveness of sins. There is restoration with God, your creator, in Jesus. And maybe this morning you're new to that. You you don't completely understand that. What I'm going to ask you to do in a moment, our leadership will be up here and they're going to be facing you. If you would like to give your life to Christ or just find out about it, just walk up and and ask them, how can I know Jesus? For the rest of us in here this morning, again, if you're going to commit to pray, I I would encourage you, come forward and do that. Or you you can be seated if you can't move up here and get up here. Just be seated and pray. Let's have a spirit of prayer and worship. God, we thank you for this day. God, I'm thankful this morning that Jesus was willing to die for the church. Jesus was willing to die for me personally. God, I pray this morning if there's someone in here that has never given their life to Christ, that they would, even if they don't really know what they're doing, they've just walked forward this morning. God, that you would call them, that your spirit would convict them and draw them to to walk down and talk to somebody. God, I pray as a church that we'd be unified in the mission. Glorify God by making disciples who make disciples.
Lord, as we take a moment this morning to pray over our staff, God, I pray that you would encourage our leaders, strengthen them by your grace and by your spirit. And may you use them in in, in a greater way this year than ever before. As we sing this morning, the altar is open for you to come and to pray. If you need to talk to someone, feel free to do that.